Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this time together with you. Can hardly wait. So here we are. First John 1 says, starting in verse uh, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Mm-hmm. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we will lie and do not live out the truth. I don't know if there's areas of darkness in your life. Let's get them. Let's get, let's get the light of Christ in in every area of your life, especially if you've got some old habits from, you know, last year, and maybe you've got some new resolutions you're, you have uh, created for yourself, and how is your action plan going? Glenn's going to talk today about a new year and a new creation, and how changing our mind and getting able to receive things from the Lord is the work we have to do. It's going to be a great hour, and I'm absolutely open to taking calls this hour, and we've got uh, Ryan standing by in our phone studio. So any questions you have for Glenn, let us know what they are. 877-933-2484. Again, 933-2484. 877-933-2484. They always say, say it three times. For some reason, that seems to help. All right, let me take 60 seconds and then bring on Dr. Glenn Pickering. Faith Radio offers a free resource that will ground you in your faith each week. It's the prayer devotional email, and it's easy to receive. Simply sign up at MyFaithRadio.com under the subscriptions tab. Then you'll be sent a weekly message with words of inspiration and prayer. It's a wonderful way to connect with God and equip you for the week ahead. Once again, just visit MyFaithRadio.com, click on subscriptions, and sign up. You'll be blessed by the prayer devotional email. It's not just information. It's transformation. You just start loving people like crazy and being generous with your time and your money and your energy and invite people over, ask them questions, listen to them, love them, and then you come back and tell me what happens in a couple months. All of my plans, all of my dreams, I'll even down before I'll All of my time. It's this Jesus who lives in me, and he gave me a dislocated heart. Faith Radio. All right, welcome to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest today. Glenn's got kind of a crazy resume, if you look at it. He starts <laughs> off true. as an electrical engineer, then he's a pastor, then he's a psychologist with a PhD. So he's all over the map. Glenn, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's always is so fun to be here. It is so fun, and listeners love you, and they look forward to the times you make it on the program. So, Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So New Year, New Creation. That's I'm right. excited about our topic today. All right. A lot of people, they've got a vision for what they're doing this year, and maybe they're still on track so far, but how is it going to last? And are they in a place where they're receiving good things from the Lord and having their minds transformed? Right. Research shows that most people who make New Year's resolutions have failed in their resolution by about January 3rd or 4th. So that gives you a sense about how often those are effective. Yeah. But it's important 
not to be cynical about that because, see, the resolutions are probably right and good. So it's not that there's something wrong with making a resolution or having a vision of how I would want my life to be. We just get stuck because we think the goal is to change our behavior. But the scriptures are really clear that first we have to change our mind. We have to change the way that we think. Here's a simple example that I've talked about something that's more personal. It's interesting if you watch the studies of all the people who have won the lottery over the years. When they do follow-up studies with those people like a year later, they find out that half of them are doing quite well financially and half of them are broke. Which seems crazy since they just got millions of dollars given to them a year ago. But see, it comes down to this. If I think of myself as a person who doesn't have much money, never is going to have much money, I always just live paycheck to paycheck, that's just how it is for me, and then I win a bunch of money. Now, see, that creates a tension that's really, really hard to live with. I'm poor, I don't have much, that's how it's always going to be, and I have $3 million in the bank. I, I, I literally can't live with the awkwardness that that creates within me. And so within a year, I will either be getting rid of those thoughts that I have, or I will have gotten rid of the money. One of those two things is going to happen, so I come back to equilibrium, where either I keep my thoughts that I'm poor, and I am indeed poor, or change my thoughts to think, no, God loves to bless people, and I have this blessing. So I will be at equilibrium either way. I'll either be at equilibrium broke, where I have broke thoughts, and I am broke, or I'll have, you know, abundance thoughts, and I will still have that money. So... We need to understand, we think when we make a resolution that we just want to find a way to change our behavior. But it's so clear to me that first we have to change our thinking. So when the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 that we, you know, transform our lives by the renewing of our mind, he really, really understood this same thing. That first of all, we have to literally change the way that we think. So, Glenn, I love how we've started. Okay. It sounds like as we are you know, transforming our minds. Mm-hmm. This is something that is going to take, it's a process. Right. It's because we've got a lot of old habits that right. are yep. going to sit around and bark at right. us. We have a lot of old thoughts. And the fact that you try to hold that tension. Right. I was broke. I couldn't hardly pay my bills. And right. all of a sudden I have this money. I either have to not be broke anymore or right. I have to get rid of the money. Right. One or the other. And mm-hmm. so we see the same thing in lots of other ways. Let's say, for example, I think, okay, my my relationship with my friend John is really not going well, and I really, really want us in this year, my resolution is to have a better, a healed relationship with my friend John. Now, here's how I can tell if I have what are called limiting beliefs, just like with that lottery person. If I win money, but my belief is I'll never have money, I'm always going to be broke. See, that belief limits me. That's why it's called a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. It literally limits God's ability to bless me. Notice, it doesn't limit God. It's my ability to receive the blessing from God. We have to be really clear. God's going to be generous with me no matter what. But if I have limiting beliefs, that limits my ability to receive those gifts. So um, let's say, and here's how you can tell if you have limiting thoughts that are getting in your way. Let's say I think to myself, and I'm really in my prayerful time, and I say to God, God, I really, really would want to be in a healed relationship with my friend John. Then after you say that with all sincerity in your prayer, I just want you then to just stop and pay attention to the thoughts that are now running through the back of your head. If you can hear thoughts running like, that will be so great. I love my friend John. I want that relationship to be better. It'll be so fun to be healed. We'll do so many fun things together. Great. You have a very good chance of that happening. But here's what often happens. People will literally say, meaning and with total sincerity, 
um, I really want my friendship with John to be healed. And immediately, immediately thoughts go through their head like, but John's probably not open to it. He probably doesn't care. Or he really hurt me. Why would I forgive him? He's sort of a jerk. I don't know if I even like him anymore. It'll never work. You know, we hear, there'll be, you can hear lots of thoughts like that running through the back of your head. And those thoughts will keep that healing that God wants for you and that you said you wanted in your resolution from ever occurring. Because we're literally keeping the blessing from happening. It, uh, you know, I love this, and we'll talk about it later. It says in Matthew 7, Jesus said, you know, ask and it shall be given unto you. And, and in the first chapter of the book of James, it starts off sort of saying a similar thing, like, you know, turn to prayer and God will always answer your prayer. And then it says, but don't be double-minded, because don't think God's ever going to give anything to a double-minded person. And if you just read that sentence without any context, you think, man, that seems harsh, almost judgmental, sort of legalistic almost. But James isn't trying to do that. He's just trying to warn us about this same thing. If I say I want a better relationship with my friend John, but my belief is it'll never happen. He's a jerk. He won't be open to it. I probably can't do it. I don't really want to forgive him. That would hurt. That's like condoning his behavior or all those limiting thoughts that are running through the back of my head that will literally prevent me from ever receiving God's blessing. Because I'm literally not open to it. And so James is just trying to help us understand we need in our prayer life to make sure that we're really clear what we're asking and that we really with our whole heart want what we're asking because otherwise our limiting beliefs will literally limit God's ability to bring us that blessing. Mm-hmm. So when people say, i got a New Year's resolution, I want to change my behavior, I think to myself, okay, but are you willing to change the thoughts that are underneath that behavior? Because otherwise you're going to be right back here in about three days. Mm. And I'm sure there's plenty that would say, John is a guy I would like to restore my relationship with, but maybe it just isn't going to work. And right. my intentions are going to be good, but eh, he probably it, won't. He's probably not going to want to. Right. Then again, once again, I'm being double-minded. That is a little I'm, double-minded, isn't it? And I'm simply not yeah. open to receiving the blessing. Yeah. It's huh. like if God's standing in the corner handing out $20 bills and I approach God and I think, hey, I want those $20. Uh, but what if they're dirty? What if they've got germs on them? They might even be counterfeit. I just keep walking right past it. It's not that God's not handing out the blessing to me, as I'm literally not open to receiving it. Yeah, which is going to be our own worst enemy, can't I, we? We are so clearly that. <laughs> yeah. Why does the default uh, have a tendency of being more negative than positive? You know, I think it's so easy to go to that place because we're almost afraid to ask for what we want. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because then Life's you're vulnerable. most dangerous question. Yeah, I know. Life's most dangerous question. What do you want? Um, we're almost afraid to ask because that puts you in that vulnerable spot where you just open and you're just trusting that God will bring that to you. And then those old fears kick in. What if it doesn't happen? What if I just get hurt? And our fear takes over. Well, yeah. What if you do get hurt? Right, exactly. And, and that's not fun. And, and you've are, already been hurt by John once. Exactly, and now you're putting jerk. yourself yeah. in position to get hurt again. Right. So we need to understand that our fear then keeps a lot of those thoughts running through the back of our head. And it keeps us double-minded in a way that literally makes it so we can't receive God's blessings. So step one is we need to work on changing our mind. And- right, right. Now, and this is, there are lots of ways to do this. Here's my favorite technique. So people out there, I hope this is helpful to you. In my prayer time, so I, I try to be quiet. I get in that sort of prayerful mode. And then instead of sort of doing my usual prayer where I talk to God or any of that stuff, I'm just going to say things that I know God would say about that. So let's say um, I just don't feel very good about myself. I want to receive God's blessings. I, let's say I want to make more money. Who knows what? Or I want to be in a great relationship. And I just think, yeah, but I, I'll never get that. 
because I have so many doubts about myself. Then in my quiet prayer time, I want to replace my doubts with the truth about God. So I'm just going to say gently like three or four or five words over and over again. I am your beloved. I am your child. You care for me like a mother cares for a child. You care for me like a bridegroom cares for a bride. Over and over, I'm just going to say those words very gently, very slowly, very lovingly to myself. So in my prayer, I'm literally saying the words that God would say to me right out of the scriptures. And so what I'm doing is when the Bible says take every thought captive, it sounds like we're supposed to do the capturing, but I think that's not it. I'm supposed to turn those thoughts over to God so that God can replace them with the truth, with the right thoughts, with God's thoughts instead of my crazy little human thoughts. Because mm-hmm. if I'm supposed to take them captive, all I can do is replace those human thoughts with other human thoughts I have. Right. <laughs> Which Not are very helpful. Not <laughs> like the first ones. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. All right. Let me take a little break. Yeah, Dr. Glenn great. Pickering is in the studio. If you've got a question about uh, what we're talking about, uh, let us know what it is. 877-933-933. 2484, we're talking about a new year and a new creation, changing and opening our minds so God can speak truth to us and we can receive from him. And we need to change our vision when we return. That's what we're going to be chatting about. We'll be back in a minute. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in the studio. We're talking about a new year, a new creation, changing our minds. And Glenn, I think we got a little bit more business to do in that department before we <laughs> go to need to change our vision. Great. Well, just a couple more examples. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I talked about if, if I feel bad about myself and that's keeping me from receiving the vision, then I want in my quiet prayer time to just repeat very gently to myself over and over those words about how God actually sees me. If I want a healed relationship with my friend John, for example, then again, I want in my quiet prayer time to just say a few words to myself over and over again. I'm called to forgive. I love my friend John. We're to love our neighbor as ourself, and that certainly includes John. We're called to forgive. I mean, you know, I'm going to say those gentle thoughts over mm-hmm. and over again, just put God's thoughts into my brain so that I'm letting God take my thoughts captive in that very gentle but very powerful way that God has. Or if somebody says, Glenn, I'll never have enough money. Well, you know, the Bible talks a lot about how in Ephesians 3, God wants to bless us beyond our imagining. Jesus says in John, you know, that we're supposed to um, live in not just a life, but a really big life. So again, if somebody says, Glenn, I'm just always going to be stuck here. I have to break out of that thinking that I'm stuck in a small life. I'm going to just say, okay, cool. Let's have a new quiet prayer time. Just say, you want for me to have a big life. You promised me abundance. Jesus lives a huge life who affected 2 billion people. We're called to do amazing things. We're each called to do our own amazing thing here, and God will bless that. Like just, just a few very gentle sentences like that, which are mm-hmm. all based in biblical truth. And I'm just going to say God's truth to myself gently over and over again, those same sort of three or four things for several minutes while I'm praying. But just give God's truth the chance to settle in my mind so I really can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Otherwise, we could race, race into that conversation with our friend John with anxious thoughts. Right. And then we're anxious, we're fearful, we're actually expecting, to, expecting it to go badly. Yeah. So if John doesn't receive it perfectly right at first, we're thinking, see, this is never going to work. I yeah. knew it. And we're off to a really bad start. Yeah, I like, I like just let's settle our brains down a little bit uh, as we go into any interaction with someone right. and just yep. get, get God's thoughts in our head. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. great, great wisdom. So if I'm going into a meeting, I don't pray, 
that God make the meeting go exactly the way I think it goes. I want to go into that meeting thinking, I'm present, I care, I want good. Mm-hmm. I'm just focused on who do I want to be in just a very few short words like that so that I bring my best self to that meeting. Yeah, whereas I pray the meeting gets canceled. <laughs> that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've uh, had a few meetings like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about vision. Great. Um, so, so then a lot of times people, when they have resolutions, like I said, first you have to understand when I trying to change our behavior, we need to change our mind first. Second, we need to be clear about the vision because most of our resolutions come out of something that we're unhappy about. Like I feel like I weigh too much or I don't make enough money or I don't have enough friends. And so my resolution is likely to be, God, help me to quit being so fat. Help me to quit being so broke. I'm so lonely. Help me to quit being lonely. But we need to understand we can't have a vision of what we don't want. So one day after work, I sort of slipped on some icy steps. And the next day, just before I started going down those steps, I could hear myself saying, okay, don't fall, don't fall. And I just stopped right there because I thought, what is the only picture my brain now has? Slipping and falling. Yes. So guess what's more likely to happen? Slipping and falling. Right. And I'm going to say, I said not to God. I said I didn't want to fall. And God's like, no, you were totally focused on not falling. falling. And your brain literally does what you tell it to do. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop and think, I walk gently and safely. I stand firmly, I get safely in my car, and I'm happily driving home. I literally have to have a vision, even in that simple little micro situation, of what I do want, not what I don't. So if my resolution, for example, is, God, I want to lose weight. I want to quit being so fat. Well, again, what's my picture? Well, my weight and being fat. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm so lonely. I'm tired of being lonely. Help me to quit being lonely. Again, what's my only picture? Me sitting in my room by myself, lonely. Well... I can't have a picture of what I don't want because what we think about, we bring about, as they say. Mm-hmm. So we need to be really careful about our thoughts. So we need to make sure our resolution is not about what we don't want. We need to make sure our resolution is about what we powerfully do want. So when that's possible, probably harder to do, isn't it? Honestly, it really takes a mindset. I have to be very conscious about choosing that because if I'm not careful, like I said to this, you know, I do counseling for my day job, and I said to this one woman, so what would you want your marriage to be like if it was way better? And she said, he would quit being so critical. He would quit being so... And I said, see, that's not a vision. And she said, what do you mean? I said, a dead person could do that. (laughs) A dead person wouldn't interrupt you. A dead person wouldn't be sarcastic. You need to have a vision of what you do want. There's literally no power to the vision of what I don't want. In fact, I'm very likely then to bring about exactly the thing I say I don't want. So... It's really, really important in all things, even though we're maybe reacting because of something in our life that we don't want, we still have to think, yeah, but what's the godly alternative to that? What is it I actually do want? Mm -hmm. So what are the tools this woman brings back to her home to try to hopefully get a better result? Right. So let's say, for example, a guy says to me, Glenn, I want to quit interrupting all the time when my wife's talking. Again, see, that's not helpful because then she starts talking and what's the only thing I'm thinking? Don't interrupt, don't interrupt, don't interrupt, which means that's all I'm thinking about is interrupting. You're not even listening. You're just trying not to interrupt. Goodness, I'm not listening. I'm being a really poor listener and pretty soon I'm going to interrupt because that's what I'm thinking about. That's what you know how to do well. Exactly. Right. It's a gift. Yeah. (laughs) So so I'm thinking if he he wants to think, okay, I want him to replace that. I won't interrupt thought with, I will listen really carefully. I'm going to make eye contact with my wife when she's talking. And when there's a pause, I'm going to summarize what she said so she can tell I heard it. 
Now, that's a really clear picture of what you do want. And just that very simple picture will help him literally transform his behavior when he's with his wife. Is, is it going to feel to her like he just went to a, a, a seminar and he came home with a technique? I tell people when they're first practicing, they say, they sometimes come back and say, Glenn, it felt a little mechanical at first. And so now I just tell them ahead of time, it's going to feel a little mechanical okay. and I don't care. Okay. <laughs> that makes come. sense. Because yeah. until I do something a few times, it's always going to feel mechanical. Yeah. So I don't care. Just go do it. Right. But pretty soon it won't. <laughs> All right. So as we uh, think about what we want versus, right. you know, when you say resolutions often arise out of our unhappiness. Right, sure. I, I don't want to be living this way. Right. But that's not a vision. That's right. just a... It's a lack of a vision. It's that's a, what yeah. I don't want. That's what you but, don't want. Right. So I'm, I'm that's post- the impetus, isn't exactly. it, to a lot of... Well, it's a great starting place. If there's okay. a, if I'm clear, hey, I don't want to be like this, then it's fine. But the God's question then next is, okay, what is it that you do want? You don't want that. Great. What do you want? I don't want to interrupt. Great. What do you want? So many parents, I see them making the same mistake. They say to their kid, don't do that. It could look like, and I'm like, well, okay. But they're waiting for guidance about what they should do, but they don't get it. So the next time that situation comes up, they do the same thing they did last time because that's still all they know how to do. And their parents says, I told you not to do that. The kid, if they could put it into words, it's like, uh-huh, but what you didn't do, you didn't tell me what I should do instead. So mm-hmm. I still don't know. Even if I'm just trying to teach my kids something, I still need to really focus on what is it I do want, not what is it that I don't want. Mm-hmm. So when Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is just, lovely, excellent, think about or dwell upon these things. And I think, wait, I need to really focus on what I do want. I want to focus on how the person I want to be, and I want to focus on the kind of relationships I want to create. So Philippians 4, 8 is a great verse, not only to memorize, but yeah. to apply to the vision you have for your life. Great, for sure. I mean, what a great go-to verse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then dwell on the vision of the person you do want to be. Exactly. Instead of, I don't want to be this, I don't want to be this. There's, so, there's no power to that. Here's what I see in all the call narratives in the scriptures, all the stories where God or an angel comes down to earth to talk to somebody. They never say, I came all the way down here to tell you, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> But they also never come down to say, I just came down here to tell you, stop doing what you're doing. They came down to say, I'm calling you into this mighty vision of this thing I want you to do. And we, just, we need to understand, we're called into a vision of the person we're supposed to be, or that mm-hmm. we're called to be, or that God believes we could be. Yeah. So, Glenn, if your desire would be, part of your vision for mm-hmm. the new year would say, let's say I, you want to lose 10 pounds and you okay. make that your mm-hmm. resolution... Uh, you know, people would might say, I don't want to be that guy that says I'm going to start working out three days a week and eating better and end up having my whole thing fail in 12 days. Right. So what you have to do is have a positive vision of what proactive... Right. I'm going to think to myself, every morning, instead of just giving, getting up and having whatever I think I'm having, I'm just going to have my protein shake every day. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do to start my day every day. And yeah, I have a yeah. clear picture of getting myself up. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Doc- make- Go ahead. No, no, no. Just we're up against a heartbreak here. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest talking about uh, new year, new creations, uh, needing to change your mind, opening up what God wants you to have, and getting a vision about what you want to do. 877-93-FAITH. Give us a call. We 
are back with Dr. Glenn Pickering. And Glenn, during the break, gave me a chance to kind of think here a little bit. You always make me think. So <laughs> when you want to make a, a, a resolution to do something, let's just say for the sake of discussion, I wanted to lose 10 pounds. And you spend all of your time fearing, fearing you're going to be one of those people that after 12 days, it's going to fall apart and you can't maintain it. Well, it seems to me if that's your attitude, that's what's going to happen. Of course, right, because that is literally what I'm thinking about. I'm literally picturing that. Yes, it's I'm, not, I'm not going to stick. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, right, and some people might be thinking, that, I don't want to do that because then if I don't fit, make it, then my friends will give me crap about it, blah, blah, blah. But see, I want to weave the friends into that vision. I'm going to be on this mission. Here's what I'm going to do. I start every day with my power shake, and every day one of my friends is going to call me up and just say, hey, how you doing? I've been praying for you. How's it going? So that I know I'm not doing it by myself, that people are praying for me, cheering for me. Mm-hmm. I want to see that vision. Yeah. Because in the end, we do things in community. And so I will succeed to the extent that I let the people in my life be on my team. And so part of the vision needs to be not, how do I not tell anybody so if I screw up, they don't know. It's like, no, no, how can I incorporate people who really want to be on my team how can they be on my team? Because mm-hmm. they want to be. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about vision. I think you had something else to add. Well, just that, um, about resolutions in general. Some people say, Glenn, why do we even make resolutions? And I think it's really important to understand as Christians that God is continually calling us to keep growing and maturing into a greater and greater depth as a person, as a Christian in our faith and community. And so it really is important that we have visions that we're living into. It really is important that we continue to have resolutions about the new creation we're becoming. Because, yeah... Our faith starts at a certain point. You know, the Bible calls that justification, which, you know, that's great. But then the rest of our life is supposed to be about sanctification, about Mm -hmm. finding a way to live that out more and more fully, more and more deeply, more and more completely. So we're supposed to never stop growing. I have a little one-year-old granddaughter now who just never ceases to amaze me. So she learns how to crawl. And she doesn't just think, okay, that's good enough. She immediately, when she can crawl, starts pulling herself up on the furniture and standing. Not very well at first, of course, and then better and better. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon she doesn't think, oh, that's all I need to do. Standing's good enough. She starts taking a few steps and figuring out how to walk. It's like there's this process that just keeps unfolding, and that's how it's supposed to be in our faith life. We're supposed to just keep learning and growing. So when people sort of make fun of resolutions, they think, no, no, no don't, please don't do that. It's important. It matters that you have a vision that you're continually living into. We just need to make sure our minds are right and we're open to God's help so that we can live into that. All right, Glenn, I think think it would be uh, good to talk about expectations because that seems to be critical to allowing our minds to be changed and then having a vision is how do we put expectations in that equation? That's a great question. One of the things I see all the time is that one of the sort of limiting beliefs that we have that gets in our way is that expectations. So, for example, I was, you know, the family I grew up in was quite poor compared to all the people around us. And so... Whenever I saw something advertised on TV, kind of a toy that looked kind of cool or who knows what, I would think, oh, that would be really great for other people. You know what I mean? I I never saw myself as someone who could receive that gift. I just saw those things as sort of happening to, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. Even when I heard people in the beginning of my faith talking about, hey, you know, knock, the door should be open. God wants to bless you. And I think I'm sure that's true for other people. Like, there's just such an engraved part of my thinking that I really literally didn't expect to be blessed or to be open to receiving all the things that I know God wants to actually give me. Now, so when people say to me, okay, Glenn, I have a big vision, but why would I believe that God could give that to me? Why would I believe that God would bless that? And that's when I start talking to them about gratitude and here's how come. 
we think about gratitude as being sort of the end of a blessing. I ask for what I want, God brings it to me, and I'm grateful. I say thank you for that blessing. It's like sort of an end point. But it's important to understand it's actually a bridge. But it's also the beginning point. Let's say there's something in my life I'm really, really powerfully praying that God help me bring about in my life. And there would be that little niggling thing about, yeah, but why would God do that? But see, if I start off with gratitude and just really be focused on thinking about prayerfully grateful for all the ways God has blessed my life in amazing and abundant ways so far, see, it's a lot easier to believe that God is going to continue to bless me on the next thing. And so gratitude is always the right answer anyway because I should be grateful for every gift God gives me. It's important to understand that's also what opens me up to receive the next gift because now I believe, believe but God couldn't bless me because I just see all the ways that God already has. So part of changing my expectations, ironically, is to be grateful for the things that have already happened and to really focus on those and be literally prayerfully grateful because that helps me to expect then the things that God wants to bring me next instead of expecting that I won't get such a thing because that's what doesn't happen to me. It's almost like you had a little journal of answered prayers. Yes. You had honestly, a, a yes. list of right. of testimonials to God's faithfulness in your life. And you, right. you know, maybe you just, you write notes in your Bible. I got right. tons and tons of yes. little notes Absolutely. on my Bible pages. Right. You know, prayer answered and uh, prayed for this, this got right. answered. So yep. you can just go through and review all the right. uh, testimonies and uh, to God's faithfulness. Why right. would he not continue to, to bless? Exactly. And so what did the Israelites do anytime God intervened in their life in some major way? They build a shrine there, a temple there, a rock, something mm-hmm. to remember. Yep. Because, see, that's what it's about. It's about always remembering the way that God has blessed us so far. So then next time when we really need to ask for a blessing, we're more open to asking for it because we're like, well, yeah, God has kept blessing my life so far. And those reminders are super helpful. So, you know, when we build a little symbol, where I write notes, where I put notes in my Bible, anything to just help me stay in that grateful phase literally helps me with my next resolution. It makes my next resolution way more likely to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Do you ever put this into your head where you go, well, maybe God is going to bring some real hardship into my life because he's going to want to <laughs> shape me into the man of God he wants me to be, and the next six years, it's not going to feel like blessing. It's going to feel like Honestly, struggle. It's, um, I believe that's actually part of why people don't ask for what they want because they understand there's going to be a cost. Now, here's what I mean. Let's say I do say, to, I pray to God, God, my relationship with John is really off. Please help heal that relationship. And God's answer to me is always going to be, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And Glenn, of course, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just fix John. Can you fix or the relationship? That'd be good, too. But why me? Well, Glenn, because you're the one asking. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus said, why do you see this speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. Again, you could be this sort of judgmental or real legalistic, but you could just think, no, Jesus is just helping me understand. If I want to heal my relationship with John, first I have to become the person that it would take to be in a healed relationship with John. So I'm the one that's asking for the healing. I'm the one that has that vision. So God's going to say, great, and I'm going to start with you. And unless I'm willing to be healed and changed in whatever way I need to be healed and changed, then that relationship change isn't going to come about. Mm-hmm. So that will require that I change the way I treat John, the way that I think about him, or the way that I hold grudges, or whatever it is that's getting in the way of that from my end. It's going to suddenly be made very clear to me. So you're right, there will be work involved, and mm-hmm. it will be a cost to me. So like, what are some of the things, Glenn, that might happen to you in preparation to reconcile with John? Might there be humility, need for forgiveness, 
Um, what else is on the list? I think humility is great, forgiveness, but mostly in humility in this way, like just being open, how can I say? I talk to my clients all the time about what I call the 50-50 rule, that if me and John are in a broken relationship of any sort, we need to understand we each own exactly 50% of that brokenness. So when I'm praying, I need to understand the first thing God's going to do is to show me my 50% of that brokenness, and I have yeah. to be open to receiving that blessing because it is a blessing to see what it is that I'm doing because I'm wrong with John because I'm probably doing it wrong in other places too. And if I learn that here right now in my relationship with John, it will probably enrich all of my other relationships. So it is a blessing, truly. Mm-hmm. But I, that requires then that I be willing and open to see what my 50% looks like. And oftentimes in my counseling sessions, if somebody's going to storm out of the office, they storm out right about then. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear that. They mm-hmm. don't believe the other person's got a problem. If they would just get it together, I'd be okay. Okay, so John's got a whole bunch of problems, and he ends <laughs> up uh, without a place to live, and you offer your basement for a while, and and he's kind of a jerk and isn't very grateful, and and your feelings are hurt. Right. Uh, how is it 50-50? How is it 50-50? As I'm putting up with this thing that I don't like, I don't tolerate, is not anything I ask for and I don't want, and I'm not saying anything about it. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> now, um, because I think this all the time, it's always true that it's 50-50. But it's often, often always true that one person's 50 is more obvious than the others because one person's is probably about what they're doing and the other person's is probably about what they're not doing. Not speaking up, not standing up, not having boundaries, not saying what they want, not sharing their opinions. Now that part looks less obvious because it's literally something they're not doing. So a lot of times people say, well, Glenn, I didn't do anything. Like, uh-huh, that's the problem. <laughs> you didn't do anything. That's your half. You're passive. Mm-hmm. When conflict arises, you shut down, withdraw. What about if I say I was trying to be loving and be patient and, and have a long fuse, and, and I still got stepped on? And I say to you, I love that you're loving, and I love that you're patient. But love is also honest. And at some point, you crossed over from loving to dishonest. This is why people don't like me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I can see why. A lot of people, a lot of people storm out. I, I get that. Right, because they don't want to acknowledge that the things that they're literally not doing are part of the problem. But those of us who are raised to be really passive, and that certainly includes me, we need to step up to the plate and understand the things we are not doing are just as destructive as the, thing, as the things the other person is doing. See, when you come in, I have to think, and then... <laughs> Then there's these moments of awkward it hurts silence. My brain. Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to get back to expectations. Yeah, and so we need to expect help. Right. So we need to expect that God wants to bless us. Yes. But we also need to have the expectation that we're not going to do that by ourselves. Every one of those call narratives, those stories in the scriptures I just referring to, a God or an angel comes down to earth to call somebody to do some mighty work. Always the person's first answer is why they can't do it. Literally, every one of those stories. I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too who knows what. Mm -hmm. And God never bothers to answer that. God just says, but I'll be with you. Oh, and then off they go. See, because what they really meant is, I can't do that by myself. But God's like, yeah, but Glenn, I'm not asking you to do it by yourself. I'm asking you with my help and my strength and all the people I'm going to bring around you in your community, will you do your part of that? When I realize, oh, that's what I'm being asked to do, then I think, well, I can do that. Don't we just want more obvious signs or more obvious indications that God's with us? Yes. Even though we know he is, but 
every one of those call narratives, and I love this, because even, you know, the greatest warriors in the Bible, this is true. So finally they quit, they quit all their objections, and they say, okay, I'll go. And then in every one of those stories they say, but I have a sign. Yeah. See, because when we really get that God really is calling us to this new life, this new creation, this powerful life, where we forgive our friends, where we have all the things we want, where I can be healthy if I feel like it, we think, really? I mean, we want to believe it. We really, really want to believe it. But there's a part of us that thinks, really? Could that really be true? And God gets that about us. And so God, in every one of those times, I always says, sure. And he gives them all kinds of signs all along the way because he realizes we can get caught up in fear, we can get caught up in doubt, and we just need little signs along the way that we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So God's like, yeah, sure, we can do yeah. that. It's not hard to think that this first step is always going to be God dealing with us because uh-huh. that seems like uh, there's going to be work. Well, there will be work. And yeah. it gets back to that thing I said about sanctification, about, you know, once we're justified, then God starts working on us to make us into more and more Christ-like people, more and more better people, better Christians, better everything. And so, yeah, it's going to take work. That means I have to be willing to sort of look at everything in my life that gets in the way of my being the person that God would want me to be, see who it is that God's calling me to be instead, and then start putting in the work that it takes to move in that direction. Right. Now, and sometimes people say, Glenn, that's going to be hard. And I used to say, well, that's not true. But of course it's true. It will be hard. Mm-hmm. But here's what I think. But see, if I don't change and I just keep doing things my same dumb way that it doesn't work, and I keep banging my head trying to be happy except I'm not, well, see, that's actually really, really hard, and it doesn't lead anywhere. Or I could do work that's hard and helpful and constructive, and in a, a few weeks or a few months, my life will be way better. So it's going to be work either way. The work where I bang my head against the wall or the work where I change and be transformed and let God work through me. So it's going to take effort either way. And one of them is helpful to me and one of them is not. Mm-hmm. So I just get, yeah, you need to understand, yes, this will take work, but it's the right kind of work, mm-hmm. the work that will literally make your life better, yeah. bigger, deeper. All right, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. And if you go to his website, Glenn Pickering, that's two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, glennpickering.com. Glenn offers you this wonderful little invite. He says, you can uh, fill out this form and I'll give you a free 20-minute consultation. And I promise you get on the phone with him for 20 minutes, you are going to gain a lot, just so you know. And that's uh, offered to all of our listeners. You can just head over to glennpickering.com about midway through the page. You just click on the button and fill out the form and you can contact Glenn and he'll get a hold of you. We'll be right back. I couldn't sleep at all last night. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in the studio. Let's, Glenn, jump back to this fictitious character named John that we've had trouble with. <laughs> He's that such we a want, jerk. Yeah, I know. We want reconciliation <laughs> with, and he uh, set up shop in our basement for a while. We were nice enough to, you were nice enough to put him up, and now there's this fracture, and right. we've even reached out and said, you know, gosh, uh, John, let's let's talk. Let's, uh, let's reconcile. Let's be right again with each other, and right. you don't hear back from him. What's up with that? Well... I see over and over and over in the gospel that Jesus is always inviting people into right relationship with him, always. But I see also that he's not in charge of their response. I think all the time about in Mark 10, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus kind of blows him off at first, but then thinks, well, maybe you're serious. So he kind of tells him, he lays it out for him. And the rich young ruler walks away. 
And what I see is that Jesus did not go running after him. No, no, wait, wait. Maybe I said it to you wrong. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you ask me a question, what do I have to do? I laid that out for you as clearly as I can. Mm-hmm. And then it really is up to you. You're going to listen or you're not. You're going to use it or you're not. You're going to follow me or you're not. You're going to keep it to yourself. Tell your friends. You're going to do with that what you're going to do with that. Yeah. So it's just my job to make sure that I'm really inviting people, not being passive like I can do if I'm not careful, but really reaching out to John saying, hey, there's this fracture here. I really want it to be different. What can we do? I'm for sure willing to do my part. And then John might respond to that well and he might not. The odds mm-hmm. are pretty high he'll respond well because people want to be in right relationship with most of us. And so mostly that will be true. But sometimes they'll boil his off or say, I don't care. And we just need to understand, yeah, I'm in charge of the invitation, but I'm not in charge of the result. It's like the Bible talks about him. Invite people to the wedding, but not everybody comes, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's um, get to, we need to ask God for what we want. Right, so it says in Matthew 7, yeah, and also in James, of course, if I ask for what you want, it shall be given unto you. Now, um, now here's the trick. Most people think they need to know what they want and how they're going to get it. So many people... <laughs> Isn't a, that true? They, they come to me and say, well, God, I know what I'm called to do. I have this vision, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get it. I think, well, you already don't get it. Here's what you really don't get. You're in charge of asking God for what you want. You're not in charge of how it comes to you. God will literally bring that to you. Your only job is to be open to the fact that God's going to bring it to you. So it's not my job to figure out how that vision is going to happen. It really isn't. And in fact, as soon as I, I think it is, I literally mess up the whole process. Yeah, there's a lot of control freaks right now listening. I, Their blood pressure just went up. Uh-huh, I get that. And since I'm in that group, I'll say to all of you, I get you. Now, but it's really, it's like if a, if a kindergartner comes to me and says, Dad, I, I really need to go to the store and buy some donuts for school tomorrow. I say, okay, well, go ahead they're like, I don't know how to get to the store. I, I, I'm six. I'm six. I can't <laughs> even reach the gas pedal. So they need to understand. It. They're just going to come to us and tell us what they want. And so our job to figure out how to make that happen as a loving parent. And we need to understand that's how it is with God. Mm-hmm. God puts things in our heart that are way too big for us to do by ourselves. Just like that little kid who thinks they have to drive themselves to the store. And we need to understand it's not our job to figure out how this is going to happen. It's just our job to make the request and expect that our loving parent is going to start working on ways to bring it about. So just because you don't know how you're going to get that vision, I want to say to all the people who are listening, just claim the vision. Be clear. Ask God in prayer what you want. Lay it out there. Just like the Bible says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Not ask and then you have to go make it happen. Ask and it will be given unto you. And our only job then is to ask and then watch for what happens. Be open to that. Is that where Psalm 4610 kicks in, where it says, Be still and know that I am God? Right. So first we ask. It's not we easy, watch. by the way. Right. I know. So we ask and then we just watch for what happens. And doors will open that I couldn't have opened myself. And I have to be willing then to walk through those doors when it happens. Now, but it's really important to do this. So God will bless us with whatever we ask for. But it's important to understand, yeah, but we do have to ask. I'm struck all the time by this story. So Jesus and a bunch of his disciples, Mark 10, walking to Jericho. They walk past Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, sitting by the side of the road. And he yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on right. me. And he keeps yelling. People tell him to shut up, but he keeps yelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and so... When he approaches Jesus, you would think that he, he, right. Jesus would know instantly what right. he wanted. So, so Jesus said, bring him over. He comes over. He's standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want? And I'm thinking to myself when I read this story, well, let's see him, a blind beggar. Right. Maybe we could start with that. Help me. Help me here. Right. And he says, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, great, done. Now, here's the deal. See, God doesn't do things to us. God does things with us, through us. Alongside us. Alongside of us, 
on the team with us. He doesn't do things to us. So Ooh, my say that again slowly. God does not do things to us. God does things with us, in us, through us, alongside but not us. to us, alongside yes. of us. Perfectly. I love that picture. Oh, good. So until Bartimaeus says, I want to receive my sight, that's not going to happen because that would be God doing something to him. Everything that God does with us, there are no exceptions, happens in partnership with us, which is why it drives me crazy when people say things, well, Glenn, you got to let go and let God. Because basically they're saying, God, Glenn, you got to go from the place where you're on the playing field and God is on the sideline to the place where God is on the playing field and you're on the sideline. And I think that is such bad theology. God says, Glenn, I want to be with you on that playing field in every single thing you do, every step of the way. I just want to be in it with you. And our asking for the things we want is the way that allows God then to be on our team with us, to work through us. That's what, I mean, that Jesus is so clear. Ask and it shall be given mm-hmm. to you. But that, you really do have to ask. Isn't that kind of an exhausted person saying, just let go and let God? I, I mean, they're just like, they're at wit's end. Right. It's almost a giving up. And, and I want to say to you, anybody listening, if there's a party that wants to give up, I think, great, give that up. Don't give up the vision. Give up thinking you have to figure out how to do the vision by yourself. That part's not true. God, the most powerful force in the known universe, wants to be on your team. And one plus a million is a really big number. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, Glenn, what about uh, becoming a second responder? I hope we have time to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I often talk with my clients about being what I call a second responder, by which I mean usually, especially in a conflict situation, but often just in any old situation, our first response, our sort of knee-jerk response is kind of a defensive one or a fearful one or an anxious one. And I think that's always such a poor way to be in a relationship. And so... Anytime a client asks me anything of pretty much any sort, they're going to see me listen, nod my head, kind of look up and to the left where me and God are having a little prayerful moment, and then I come back in the room and I say something. People give me crap crap about how I leave the room, but but here's what I know. See, my first knee-jerk response is not helpful to me. So anybody who says, I have a new year's resolution, and so pretty soon I'm not even going to have that temptation anymore, right? I think, no, that's a crazy thought. You will always have the same old temptations you have right now. All of your same knee-jerk reactions will be the same as they are right now. What's going to happen is you're going to get better and better overriding that, remembering that you have freedom in Christ, remembering that you can do all things in Him which strengthens you, and that you can do something different. But my first reaction, I swear to you, doesn't change. Some people think, well, Glenn, I used to be real selfish, and so I want to start being more loving and more caring, and I'm going to start practicing that. So pretty soon I want to have selfish thoughts, right? I'm like, oh, golly. You'll have exactly the same selfish knee-jerk thoughts you have right now. But you'll get better and better at recognizing that's just a selfish thought. I have other options. If I give myself three seconds, me and God can come up with a better answer, and then saying that. And so... All of our resolutions, I swear to you, in the end, come down to this. Am I willing to be a second responder? Because basically, remember, I'm changing something in my life because I don't like what I'm doing right now. I don't like basically my first response. I think, okay, good. But please understand, when God changes you and moves you in a new direction, it's not that you're not going to still have that same first thought. So God's just going to give you the power to keep getting better and better and better at choosing a different thought or a different response, a different reaction, and a different behavior. And you're going to be quite aware of that this thought has come into my head right. and I'm instantly at this fork in the road where right, right. my first response, which is not productive, right. 
can go off to the side and I can make a separate choice. Exactly. And I just get better and better remembering that and using my freedom in Christ and to choose a different reaction. And every, I swear to you, everything that God does in sanctifying us, purifying us, moving us along the direction we want to be, every resolution we come up with will finally come down to that. I need to get better and better at using my ability to make a second response. Mm-hmm. Glenn Pickering's been my guest. We've been talking about a new year and a new creation. If you missed any of this hour, you're going to want to start uh, from the beginning talking about the need to change our mind and change our vision, change our expectations, and we need to ask God for what we want. And Glenn, it's been a great hour. Glenn offers this wonderful opportunity to connect with him, and he does that as a uh, compliment to the Faith Radio listeners. You can go to glennpickering.com, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, and midway down the page there is an invitation to click and fill out a form, um, and then he will schedule it free 20-minute consultation with you, and I know the way Glenn works, so you can get a um, boatload of information from him in 20 minutes. Trust me, you'll walk away thinking you chatted with him for three hours. It's amazing. So, Glenn, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. What yeah. a blessing. Yeah. That wraps up Hour 1. I'm excited to talk to Dr. Ed Welch. He's got a little book on meditations on fear, worry, and trust. It's a, called A Small Book for the Anxious Heart. Kind of an interesting uh, part two of this day. So we'll take a little break, and we'll be back with uh, Dr. Ed T. Welsh in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.